Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latinx culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latinx minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary, and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Welcome to Switched on Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. And I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. Today on the show, two hot songs that break the norm. Nate, it's very good to be here in person with you today. Great to see you, Charlie. I'm sorry that you're a little under the weather. It's okay. I just had too much fun over Thanksgiving. <laughs> okay. I, will, I want to start by asking you a question. Hit me. Have you ever been in a situation in your life where you were supposed to do something, but you had a very different idea and chose to take a different path? That's a great question. Or are you just a square? <laughs> Am I just a sheep? When have you broken from the norm and jumped out and done your own thing? You know, after my first year of college, I took a leave of absence and I went to New Zealand and worked at an ashram. Really? Yeah. <laughs> what were you doing? I was, I just needed to get away. And I ended up in New Zealand and I was traveling and I found an ashram where I could work on the, you know, on their farm in exchange for board and, and yoga lessons. <laughs> and we woke up every morning at 5 a.m. and did an hour of meditation. And then so instead of taking Econ 101, you decided to peace out and go to an ashram. Yeah, it was very instructional. You know, they gave me um, this this like karmic task. My, my yogic duty, uh, which was p personally selected for me, was that I, I couldn't read at all. I had a, this edition of War and Peace that my dad gave me in, in rice paper that was really tiny, and I was just reading that. And they said, okay, you can't read. Oh. And this was real, and this really sent me for a loop because I did not know what to do with myself, with my thoughts. Yeah. Uh, so I would, I would kind of walk into the field, and I spent a lot of time with the cows, sort of looking into a cow's eyes, you know, it's a very profound experience. What did you take away from this experience? I suppose that I, 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 was, un, I was laboring under the impression that the more you knew, the more knowledge you accrued, the more words you read, the better a person you became. After being given this task of not reading, it made me think about really like what are the values that make a, what that make a good person, and mm. and I had to begin revising those. I think I started to think, well, you know, compassion and 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 self awareness, mm. and there are plenty of very well read people who are perfectly evil, right? You know, <laughs> right. So that and I and that was something I thought about, and so so yeah, it was it was a that was a moment when I did not do what. What was what was expected, and I feel like it really paid off. I guess so. It was a hit. Yeah, it was a hit. It was a number one hit. 
So if you don't mind, maybe I can appropriate your story and use that as a perfect transition into two hit songs, which I think are doing just the same. Ooh, you're welcome. So I often feel too often when I'm listening to pop music, I'm getting the same message over and over. It's that just dance kind Mm. of idea, you know? And I feel like just as you had to break out of the expectations of school, there are some great songs right now which are breaking out of the expectations of the typical pop song format and and that which is expected of a pop singer. So today I thought we could look at two different songs which break the norms of music and lyrics and forge their own path and find their own kind of success. So So two pop songs that go to New Zealand to work on an ashram. Exactly. Cool. (laughs) So I've prepared a song and I think you've prepared one as well. I have. Charlie, why don't you kick it off? So I've got Selena Gomez's Same Old Love. Mm. For those of you who don't know who Selena Gomez is, are you familiar? Uh, Vaguely. Okay. So actually... I saw Spring Breakers. (laughs) I haven't seen that. Spring Break. Uh, Quick recap. She was a Disney star. She was a child actor. She actually got her, her start acting in the TV show Barney. Wow. And more recently has been known for being a major pop icon, both on the screen and in our earbuds, has also been known to have dated Justin Bieber and has been, and there's been an ongoing media conversation about their love, but I don't want to talk about their love. I don't want to talk about, this isn't E! News. (laughs) So I thought instead we could actually talk about the music behind Same Old Love. Right on. Let's listen to Same Old Love. Most obviously, Same Old Love is a minor blues track where she declares that her current and past relationships are over. Take away your things and go. You can't take back what you said. I know I've heard it all before at least a million times. I'm not one to forget. You know. I'm so sick of that same old love. That shit it tears me up. I'm so sick of that same old love. My body's had enough. She no longer wants that same old love right pretty obvious okay we know we know this she declares it pretty obviously right it's the name of the song but there's so much going on here Um, for me same old love is like a musical palindrome with these repeating elements that start and repeat and play backwards and uh, layer on top of each other in such a way that these little simple elements actually tell us a much bigger story about how Selena Gomez really feels. Madam, I'm Adam. That's a palindrome. Yes. (laughs) Cool. Okay, tell me more. Race car. That's all I got. That's all I got. (laughs) Okay. So there are three things about the song that you might not have noticed. You might have thought, hey, this is a really simple, obvious song, but there is much more to it. So the first two happen right off the bat. They're a little more subtle, but I think they're really important to um, Selena Gomez's psyche. Mm. Right. First, we have this, uh, the rhythm of the track is primarily carried by the snap. You're speeding up there a little bit. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, Mr. Metronome. Um, and, and for me, that's sort of like time moving along, right? Just like clapping, just snapping along. Uh, for me, it's every past person that passes through her life. And under that snap, there is this really cool sample of a vinyl record. Every time you hear that snap, there's this little... (laughs) 
So immediately she's putting us in the past. She's using the nostalgia of the vinyl record, right? The nostalgia created by the sound of the vinyl record to put us in the past about how she's feeling about these past relationships. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. That's just right, right at the beginning. All right, Selena. And she didn't that. Yeah. When I first heard the song, though, I was kind of, mm, I don't know, put off by the fact that it didn't do a lot. And that's because I wasn't listening closely enough. The main thing that this song has got going for it is its bass line. Right. And it sets up this back and forth movement. It keeps repeating the same phrase up and then down, up and then down. And for me, that bass line is the same old love. It is the musical representation of same old love. What do you think? I find that very persuasive, Charlie. Okay. So you're saying like the bass line is this the monotony and the repetition of her love life up till now. So I thought the song sounded monotonous and repetitive, but I think this bass line is telling us about the very nature of that relationship. Oh, okay. So now we're setting up this distinction between the expected and then the breaking out. Yes, exactly. Okay. And she does this in the coolest way. Yeah. So the bass line has a subtle variation. I called it a minor blues because um, the bass line starts in B minor and then it moves up to E minor. It's the most common move you see in blues music. So we're also, it's telling us, hey, she's just kind of sad. So in the verse, we hear the first half of this phrase. Take away your things and go. And then later on in the verse, this sort of more heightened moment, it switches and goes to this higher version of the exact same thing. Before, at least a million times. Right. Okay. For me, there's this sort of set up tension of the sort of lower register version of the baseline, the higher register version of the baseline. And this baseline is this constantly descending thing, but it's sort of got these two versions and it sets up this little bit of tension. When she moves to the chorus, the A baseline and the B baseline come closer together. They fall right next to each other. So, so where in the verse there had been this sort of like slog of this repeating bass line and then it takes a subtle variation, but it's kind of the same thing, kind of like her past relationships. Mm. In the chorus, it intensifies, it speeds up. These bass lines actually come in right next to each other. So instead of having them pulled apart over these long verses, we hear them right back to back in the chorus. Gotcha. So what does that symbolize? At that moment? Yeah. Her voice soars up to the highest register uh-huh. right on the home note on B, and she just screams. She says, I'm so sick of that same old love. It's the highest register of her voice. She's on the home note of the key, and she's declaring, you know, speaking over this bass line, which is trying to assert itself in her life over her, over her music. She's singing faster than the bass line. Yeah. She's singing over it in the highest register. And for me, that's her overcoming and declaring her true feelings right afterwards she does something that uh young women who have starred in the show barney are not supposed to do (laughs) what's that she says a curse word oh she does say a curse word yeah that that really struck me she has a little breaking point it definitely feels like in this chorus her frustration is palpable yeah she says i'm so sick of the same old love this 
stuff, <laughs> it just tears me up. And she kind of, she breaks. And so where we've had this repetitive, redundant baseline, all of a sudden it is overcome by her powerful vocal. And she just says, you know what? Forget about it. I've had enough. I'm going to do it my own way. And there's a moment in the music where everything breaks. And I think that her inner dialogue truly comes out. Uh-huh. It's in the bridge. Classic bridge behavior. Kind of the bass line falls out and there are these distorted voices, which sound like a, a male voice. I actually think that it's her voice pitched way down. It feels like this, this sort of interior moment of figuring it all out and then we get a final chorus. And that final chorus is the loudest moment of her declaring, I'm so sick of this same old love. She's clearly overcome these past relationships. Right on, Selena. Remember what we said earlier. These songs are sort of breaking from your expected pop song structure. Correct. Right? We actually don't really have so much of a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, A, B part. Because we just have the same bass line repeating over and over again. Right? Like, this shouldn't be a hit single. It's that same bass line. I told you, I was at first kind of like, eh. I don't know. I've now listened to the song at least a dozen times and I can't get it out of my head. It's a real hit. Yeah, it's a good one. And I guess I, I like I like your interpretation in that exactly what makes it work is the contrast of this monotonous bass line right. and these explosive melodies and, and lyrics. Very cool. All right. All right, Selena. All right, Selena. We see you. I appreciate her stepping out, standing out, doing her own thing. Right? Yeah. This is no, I love you, you love me. <laughs> We're a happy family. Who knew that this was going to come back all the way to the beginning of her career? Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. You know, the activity of the bass that you're describing in Same Old Love really reminds me of a certain classical technique. What's that? It's called the ground bass. What is the ground bass? Well, we've seen a variation of it yeah. on this show already when we were talking about The weekend, Right. And the lament and this repetitive descending bass line. Yeah. Uh, but ground bass is maybe a more general version of that. A repeating bass line of any kind. Okay. So the lament is like that's specifically the descending one. Right. But, you know, you can have any any repeating bass line would be called a ground bass. Okay. 
And classical composers would use this in a similar way to set up this tension between the repetition of the bass mm. and then the variation of the melody and harmony oh. that, that's going on on top of that. Right. And, and oftentimes it's, it's used in a similar way to sort of uh, represent someone fighting against the inevitability. Mm, the thing pulling of, them down. Yeah, exactly. This sort of, you know, like there's a beautiful tension between a voice trying to express themselves and then this uh, inevitable teleological baseline continually mm. grounding them, pulling oh, them yeah, back. yeah. Probably the most classic example of this is Dido's Lament from a Henry Purcell opera. The character Dido sings... Forget my fate. And she sings it over and over again with all these different melodic variations. But the bass line remains unchanged. And it's this really compelling moment. Huh. She's sort of asserting herself over this ex this expected bass line. I like how she's twisting her melodies and doing them in different ways to really get her message across. Totally. Flash forward a few centuries. Right. You can find another articulation of this in an equally famous aria, yeah. the Habanera from George Bizet's Carmen. Oh, right. <laughs> the quality of the lyric here is different, but I think the principle is the same. Okay. We have this repeating bass line. Yeah. That sort of creates this level of stasis and expectation. Yeah. yeah. And then we have a singer on top of this singing lyrics like, Love is a rebellious bird that none can tame, and it is well in vain that one calls it if it suits him to refuse nothing to be done, threat or prayer. Her assertion of, of agency is yeah. like even more piquant because of this repeating bass line mm. that, that really shows how much is at stake for her. I love that line. If one calls it, if it suits him to refuse, right? It's like, I'm, I'm rebelling against this sense of love. It's actually it's the same lyric. It's Selena, man. <laughs> from, from Dido to Carmen to Selena. Who knew? It's all, it's all circular, man. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> Something that's really fun about the ground bass is that you can, um, as you were talking about uh, the Dido piece, where she sings the same words over and over with different melodies. Sure. Uh, what you hear in the Selena Gomez track is uh, this this bass line going over and over. We see, hear the same thing on and on, yet she's able to create unique melodies and variations on top of that, that if you want, you can actually layer on top of each other. They sound really cool because they all work together because they have the same bass line. Take away your things and go. I don't you can't take back what you left in peace. Left me in peace. Money. Yeah. It's a nice little moment. Yeah. You know, there's something really compelling about these ground bass lines. And it, it, is, it, it is a nice moment of sort of continuity through the history of Western music that you can take one of these classical ground basses. 
right. throw a beat on top of it. And you're halfway to a pop hit right, right there. Right, totally. I, th- I think uh, you know, Michael Jackson and Daft Punk are particularly good at both of those, at, at, at taking a single bass line and giving it to us over and over and over, one more time, one more time, one more time. And you don't want to stop hearing it because it yeah. constantly has a new context and it gets better and better as you hear it. My song also takes advantage of this technique. Good transition. Thank you. <laughs> Here by Alessia Cara. A song I first heard when I gave my undergraduate students an assignment yeah. to send me a song that that they that like represented them, you know, like oh. basically I asked them to analyze a song they love in with the same sort of rigor and depth that they would bring to one of the classical pieces we were studying. And so it was amazing because I got like 70 songs that represent the tastes of the American college student. (laughs) You switched on popular kids. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You switched on popular students, I should say. And one of my students, Juliet, sent me this song here, which which really stood out from from all the songs that I was being sent. Hmm. Charlie, should we just should we give it a listen? Absolutely. Yeah. I guess for now you've got the last laugh. I'm sorry if I seem uninterested or I'm not this When you first sent me this track, I actually think I had a really similar reaction. I was like, eh, baseline, does the same thing over and over again. I get it. And then I listened again and my heart opened up. Really, I would rather be at home all by myself, not in this room with people who don't even care about my well-being. I don't dance, don't ask, I don't need a boyfriend, so you can't. It's really something. It's like the anti-social anthem. And it's and it's a remarkable counterpoint to the descriptions of parties that we usually get in pop songs. Yes. Take for instance Kesha's TikTok. Or like Katy Perry's TGIF. Yeah, exactly. Just these sort of this total bacchanal. Yeah, Saturnalia. Just these celebrations of of excess and wastedness and yeah, depravity. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. This is from the complete opposite perspective. This song really resonated with me for that oh, for, for that man, reason. Me too. And I mean, with so many people who just... How many times have you gone to a party and be like, oh, I just don't fit in here. Like, the people over there, like... I would I'm say not... 92% of the parties I <laughs> go to. Yeah, about is, the same. That is how I feel, yeah. yeah. So in giving the antisocial pessimists a voice here, Alessia Cara is doing some good work. And similar to Selena... Right. She has this really powerful tension between a repeating ground bass yeah. and then these endless variations in terms of melody, mm. in terms of instrumentation, yeah. in terms of rhythm. And, you know, something I was thinking, like you were talking about sort of the inner voices in this Selena Gomez song. Yeah. I think there's a lot of that in the Alessia Cara track as well. Yeah. There's this moment where she says... But honestly, I'd rather be somewhere with my people. We can kick it and just listen to some music with the message. But honestly, I'd rather be somewhere with my people. We can kick it and just listen to some music with the message. Like we use it 
then this other voice mm. that's also her, but that sort of comes in from another side of your yeah. headphones. Yeah. Says like we usually do. Huh. And you can sort of hear her inner dialogue, right? All, mm -hmm. all the voices in her head sort of expressing how she really feels. Yeah. I love this listen to music with a message because I think both of these songs really do stand strong in having a very particular message that they're trying to get across. This is kind of rare on the radio. Yeah, exactly. And, and these songs have a little bit of an edge to them for that because Alessia Cara is sort of creating the sound of the party in this track. Yes. Right? There, it's like there's a lot going on. It's kind of chaotic. We have all these different instruments that don't necessarily fit together. I mean, I count a trombone, uh, this sort of tinkling classical piano, uh, this heavy guitar, and... Yeah. Then uh, these multiple voices of hers. Yeah. I mean, it's a really complex set of textures. Yeah, definitely. I actually, those voices I thought were particularly powerful. I have this theory that those voices are actually the other voices at the party, right? The song actually starts out with a sort of muted male voice in the background, and it's kind of like someone speaking to her. I guess for now you've got the last laugh. And she's just checked out. I'm sorry if I seem uninterested. And she's not listening to them because, in fact, the song starts in the middle of a measure. Right. Right. And she says, I'm sorry if I seem uninterested. I actually don't think she's even saying that to him. I think she's saying that in her own head. Yeah. Oh, man. This is when you said that you, we enter in the middle of a bar. Yeah. That's so interesting. You know, it's like it reminds me of the this adage about playwriting that you're yeah. supposed to enter late and leave early what is to that? a scene. Oh. Like we're in this song we're sort of plunged into the middle of this party. Yeah. And we don't. And it takes us it's it's a little disorienting when you first hear this. Yeah. You're like, what's going on? What's happening? Where am I? There's so right. many sounds. These are like kind of uh logaric just uh stream of lyrics right. that like virtuosic right. that you have to kind of keep up with. Right. And then it doesn't really end on any there's no really there's no sense of change or um like huh. she 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 wants to get out of there but you don't know if she does and i'm standing by the tv with my beanie low yo i'll be over here oh, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. and i can wait so we can break apart the here Leaves it to the listener's imagination. Yeah. I mean, we just have this image. This is one of my favorite lyrics of all time. This image of her by the TV with her beanie low. <laughs> and it's just like a little snapshot, you know, yeah. of this lone voice. We've all been the wallflower in the corner and know how that feels. Yes. Feeling internal and to ourselves. Yes. I ask myself, what am I doing here? And I can't wait to break up out of here. Oh, oh, oh. There's some other parallels with the Selena Gomez track as well. Hmm. We don't really have a strong chorus. Okay. We just have yeah. here. Right. Oh, I, oh, oh, here. When I first heard the song, I was like, wait, did the chorus just happen? The yeah. verse and the chorus really blend into each yeah. other. Yeah. And then also there's a what we might call a, a quasi bridge. Right. Where the bass drops out. Yep. And 
and we expand on this image hours later congregating next to the refrigerator some girls talking about her hater she ain't got none <laughs> oh that's so she actually moved us forward in time at the party by dropping the baseline out it's almost like we've had a montage yeah exactly <laughs> There's this other moment where I feel like we can really tell that she's in her head is that every time that she drops out of the chorus and back into the verse, she actually talks over herself. Right. So it's clearly she has re-recorded. She, she, she hasn't sung her vocal just once. Right. She s- sings the chorus. And then in the studio, she sings the verse. But the verse actually starts on the chorus. And it's kind of like how we can have multiple dialogues running on in our head at the same time. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> at the start of this episode charlie yeah. you said we're gonna see if these two songs both represent this idea of breaking away from the norms right have they gone to their ashram yeah have they uh i think they have i think they've Absolutely. gone to to the I, I didn't tell you that the ashram was at on the top of a mountain okay in this really rural part of new zealand that could only be accessed by one road um <laughs> I think they have summited that mountaintop. It's very cool. You know, in the Celestia Cara track, there's the the repetitive noise and chaos of the party. Right. And her vocals, her incredibly lucid and virtuosic vocals yeah. kind of dancing on top of this in, in endless variation. Mm. Um, this, this sense of rhythmic swing in her voice. Mm. I mean... These are not, this is not typical pop song behavior, right? No, no. You, you talked about the lyrical paradigm of just dance. Right. This is so much more cerebral. Totally. And, uh, and intellectual. Yeah. And the song should not be number 10 on the pop charts. No. And yet there it is. That's awesome. Right behind Taylor Swift's Wildest Dreams. Music with a message. Yeah. So have they fulfilled their karmic quest? I think they have. It's important to highlight these songs in a pop landscape where young women might might not have a plurality of role models to choose from. Hell yeah. To have these singers really coming into their own, yeah, having all this agency and really setting up this contrast between manifesting your individuality and going with what's expected of you. That's really rad. It's super rad. It's a good lesson for the pop industry as well, I think. Yeah. Maybe there's a larger karmic quest that the the, the billboard charts need to fulfill. We need more voices like this, breaking through, making their own way, making really creative and, and challenging, but really catchy music. Right on. Word. Thanks to Juliet from my Introduction to the History of Western Music course for tuning us on to Alessia Cara. Thank you. Good track. And thank you to the Anahat Yoga Retreat in Takaka, New Zealand, <laughs> and Swami Muktadharma and Swami uh, Amit Baba. For their karmic quests. <laughs> yes. You, you really changed my life. And if you're listening to this for some reason, I appreciate it. <laughs> Join us again in two weeks because the holidays have started. The music is in our ears. It's everywhere. And I think we've learned from earlier episodes the best way to cure an earworm is to just go right into it and listen to those tracks. Amen. So we'll have a hot holiday song for you in two weeks. Until then, thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running. 
And that's not the case. Most runners hate running. <laughs> but they choose to do it. In the new docu-series, Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon, taking place in Savannah, Georgia, on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.